Ah, shit. It's, um, it's almost midnight, but I think that we've said for like a week and a half now that we're going to do a podcast with Avo, and like, here we are. So like, mission accomplished, everybody, right? It's not delayed. We're on time. We know how to do a show. I'm sure everything's good. Hey, buddy. Jesus, you're really jinxing it right now. You are really trying to make sure that this recording fails. We've only if, fucked if, up if, one. If you're listening to this recording right now, audience, it's because of an act of God, because <laughs> Joey just jinxes us so hard. <laughs> right, he's playing on Dyke for an hour as well, right before this uh, this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey's yeah I might have been a little bit late to our scheduled starting time because I was playing uh, some Dota. The conversation, but I won my game, so yeah, it was worth it. Your your yeah. sixty minute tier five game. The conversation we had yesterday was like, what if we do a podcast in twenty four hours? We're all across the world, it'll be fine. And then Ava was like, what if we make it twenty three hours? So I'm not up so late. And Austin was like, great. And then he played an hour long undying game, and now we're here. So honestly, everything's fine. <laughs> Okay, well, the only reason we got that messed up was because of the whole, I think Avo was referring to a specific time when he said 23, I don't, I don't know no, what said, was going on. It said 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. I thought I read 1 a.m. on my Discord, so I was like, oh, 1 a.m. is pretty bad, but I can do it. But it's 1 p.m. Okay. It's all good. I, I'm, I'm chilling. I just had lunch. It's, it's all good. I have no problem with this. <laughs> I start- all right, well, we are uh, right in the middle of the, the CDPC, so thank you, Avo, for taking the time. I'm sure you've been working very, very hard. And I'm not being sarcastic because I saw how hard you worked the first season, anyway. Uh, th- this season is uh, easier because uh, we have no budget. That's always great. You should have gotten more budget because uh, like, I'm not getting paid the, paid the same amount of money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we uh, we went backwards somehow, uh, which was not good. You do a good product, oh, no. then you, you lose money somehow. That's that's the total way. Oh, uh, so <laughs> my work this season is more along the lines of what can you make with no money, which essentially is, Avo, how many roles can you do by making your own videos? And so it's more of a DIY thing. If you see any sort of content this season, it's a miracle. Uh, and it's because I've learned to edit halfway through the season. So that's that's fun. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this. So this is like a, a reprieve. This is like a rest from my uh, my terrible days. <laughs> if I'm honest with you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we could bring a little bit of happiness. Uh, we can you, talk about happy things. You, you, uh, you know, I, I really do think of that, like that shit you're doing right now, you're probably going to be really happy in like six months or a year. Like what, what, what you're, you're, you're like putting yourself through a ton of fire and you're going to come out the other side and be like, man, that really sucked. But look at all the stuff I learned how to do. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good point. I feel like my life is a lot of it like that, where I just put myself through fire and then I come on the other side and I go, well, it wasn't that great, but you know, I guess I learned something. I always say that to myself in the fire and then afterwards, I don't know if I'm an idiot or maybe it, it's not that great what I'm doing. It's a self-sacrifice, but uh, I just like doing this because the end product feels nice. It's mm-hmm. not so much the learning. And as long as I feel proud of the end product, which has never been the case yet, I, I, I think it's a, it's a satisfying season. What's the closest you've got to feeling good about the product? What, 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 what event, what stream, what, what, what piece of media? Mm, I mean, I, the player spot, I was pretty proud of the end product that we did last season mm. for GDPC. That was, I think that's when I was like starting to good. be like, mm-hmm. that, was, that was acceptable for me. That was an acceptable level of product for me. Uh, I mean, I've had, as talent, I think it was easier because you do less. Or uh, that's not true. You don't do less. <laughs> you're but, like, it's you're all telling me, right? Austin, as talent, you do fucking nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. No, I don't want. I, I, I don't believe in that narrative at all. I think talent is all prep, and as a result, yes. I do think that is you either deliver or not in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Which is easier, at least for me personally, it's easier. Um, so I, I've felt moments where I like did a good cast or did a ho- good hosting or a good interview. I felt I was pretty proud of Genting, even though I wasn't supposedly hired. It was just kind of a last minute thing, but I was pretty proud of what happened there. <laughs> 
of my impromptu stage hosting. Uh, and, then, and then a small tournament. My proudest moments was when we did Realms Collide. That, that was a very small tournament we started with, and we did a studio uh, which was themed after a radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. It was Richie and I in our, in our apartment, and we'd like literally moved our whole apartment. We had no living room for a whole month, and we decorated ourselves. We had like a budget of 50 bucks, and then we put another 50 bucks out of our own budget. <laughs> and that was the whole decoration. We did things around the flat. We found you know trash, and we used it for the decorations and stuff like that. And something about, because maybe that was so small, it felt prouder. Right, like mm-hmm. it, there was no expectations, and we did a lot with very little, and I, that's still one of my happiest sets. I, it's still one of my the only pictures I have on my Instagram <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> can can we take a step back here for for a moment? Because uh, I'm I'm realizing now as we're talking and jumping into all these silly things that like uh, some people who come here week to week to listen to Austin and I talk about like our literal shit um, may not know <laughs> may, may may not roll know what some of your roles are behind the scenes and what you're doing day to day off of. So, but like like who who are you working? What are you doing? <laughs> I am currently with Eeples uh, for the time being, uh, and I I work in a variety of roles. I was supposedly a talent uh, when I was hired, just a caster, but then mm-hmm. I moved into hosting and then interviewing and then stage hosting. I've done paneling for some reason. I, I don't know why they keep putting me there, but sometimes there's just someone missing. Wait, and I, hold, hold up. <laughs> That's all talent work, Avo. What do you mean? Yeah, no, <laughs> you I'm, mean you were hired as a caster. I, well, I was, all, I, it's all talent work. I thought you were going to say all the production stuff that you're well, now that's, doing. I also do that, right? I yeah. also I, I expanded my role, but I was originally my contract literally says caster, so not even talent. Uh, and okay. I never I did all these other things, and then they made me into a. Currently, my role in Eples is the creative producer, creative lead. Mm-hmm. So I work in tandem with Richie, which is Seek and Strike, but I will call Richie for the rest of our podcast because Seek and Strike sounds weird. And uh, we work together to make all our projects. He's the technical lead and then the creative lead, so I usually have the ideas, and Richie makes them real. Uh, so that's kind of what we work. And now, and when we do DPC and majors, I usually do the content pieces and he does the actual production. Obviously not in a major because he's one person I'm one person. You can't do a major with one person. Mm-hmm. Though we sure tried this leave a major. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> for the DPC it's a little bit more like that. I was going to ask you how burned you got at the Lima major. That was going to be my transition. It was pretty say, bright putting outside. yourself into fire because <laughs> you, you do walk away burned when you put yourself into fires all the time. Uh, so Epos was a part of the Lima major, which means that you and Richie were uh, part of the Lima major as well. Uh, you want to start with, like, can we start, like, how did, because Epos was not the one who won the bid for the first major of the season, right? That was uh, 40. 40. Yeah, so uh, 4D and I, the people that work in 4D and I go way back, personally me, not uh, Eeples, uh, we go way back because we were all Spanish casters together, we're like the OGs of Spanish casting, uh, so we, I've worked with them many times, sometimes like pro bono because I just wanted to succeed because they, I mean they represent the studio, they're, they're the closest thing in Spanish to like Mundak I would say, where it's like mm-hmm. casters just trying to make things because someone needs to do it and there's nobody else, right? In the Spanish scene, there's no ESLs, there's no PGLs, there's just them and now ESB as well, which I would say it's closer to the PGL, uh, ESL kind of side. And uh, I like their initiative because I feel like they're the only people that, like they're, they're a little bit stupid and I say this in the nicest way possible because <laughs> they lose money in every project they do. Their goal is to just increase the scene. They're fueled more by passion than by anything else. And I, I respect that a lot. I think that's something that a lot of Dota talents share. So I, I, I do have a personal bias towards them. And um, 
because we have a long working relationship, when they got the Lima Major, they needed someone to help them out with the English broadcast. And in general, with some of the productions, we helped with World Feed and stuff like that. And that's why Eples came in. Of course, Eples is, uh, I kid you not when I say that in the Lima Major, there were four people from Eples. So <laughs> saying Eples was in charge of anything is a bit of an overstatement. Is that including you and Richie when you say four yeah, people? Yeah, it's literally four people in total. Yeah. So I don't know who the fourth person is from Eples. It's uh, Pontus's brother, Marcus. Oh, who was there oh right, right. Okay, so I do know media. who the fourth person is. So I yeah. did know everybody from Epulse that was there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, was, I thought it was really funny where uh, I saw the threads and people were like shitting on Epulse, and I thought, guys, I don't think we have the manpower to fuck up. Like, we don't even have... <laughs> we don't have the power to do anything bad, let alone good. Um, but yeah, our, our involvement in the major was much smaller than stated. Yes, we were supposedly in charge of the English broadcast and we're supposedly in charge of the world feed. But by, by being in charge, we obviously have to hire a bunch of people because we're not going to do this alone. So we were doing this in collaboration with BTS Brazil and a bunch of uh, freelancers as well. And uh, Richie and I kind of took this role. I mean, Richie's role kept increasing. <laughs> he kept getting promoted. And my role kept getting expanded, but that was not an original role. Original role, Richie was going to be a second uh, TD, uh, which is, for people that don't know well, about broadcast, essentially is the, think of him as the director, right? Uh, of the of the show, and not so much the guy who like sets up the cables and everything, but more like okay, go to this camera, go to this camera. We play this segment. He runs the running show, and for me, I was going to be the content producer for English alone. Uh, but I was not. Um, I mean, I was alone in that role, very unfortunate, which I discovered when I came to Lima. But I was not the guy that was supposed to <laughs> set up the content or film the content. More like write the script, say what content gets played, what works for the English audience, what doesn't, subtitle things, uh, and then we had a content team that was from 4D that was much bigger that hopefully would would produce this that was <laughs> yeah that was something that didn't really end up happening but we can we can explain why as we as we go through the, the the hell days of lima okay so you you two two companies working together uh you guys are only a very small part of this you're only four people so you said yes. you had to hire a, a bunch of contractors and i assume well i do know uh that richie actually ended up going in early uh as well to try and like help help set things up you did as well so what was that like I mean, we went there two weeks. I mean, we were hoping to go there much earlier. Um, obviously, anything that was dealt with, uh, the logistics side was completely on, on 4D, obviously because mm -hmm. they're from Peru, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they're also not that big, so they also hired a bunch of contractors, and we'll, we'll deal with this and why this is important later. But they have like 20 people, and like actually 20 trustworthy people in the company. Mm. So uh, we w wanted to go there a month early to set things up. We went there only two weeks early because of delays and, and issues with hospitality and whatever. The, the, these things happen. It's common in tournaments. And the idea was not so much. We didn't really have a plan. We were just like, we're going to make sure anything that needs to get done gets done. And as soon as we landed on the ground, I would like to say we hit the ground running, but it was more like someone pushed us and just said, go, go. And that was more like it. Uh, Richie immediately started getting the, um, the show produced, right? And I immediately started getting the, I mean, I would like to say the, the content produced, but I actually was doing anything that was not the show. So I was doing things like, hey, do, have you guys considered makeup people? Have you guys considered a stylist? Do we have a scenographer? And every time the answer was no, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's, I'd add that to my list of tasks that I'm going to do now. So that was, for, for Richie, the first two weeks were not that bad because um, the stress happened when the tournament started. For me, the first two weeks were the worst two weeks of my life, if I'm honest. It was terrible. I can feel wow. my blood pressure getting higher. Like, oh, did you guys have a hair and makeup person? Oh, no. Why do we need that? Yeah, that's what they answered. Like, the, the problem with this is that I'm also not a 
like I'm not good at these things either. And I, I was very open to this, right? And this uh, this is something that you'll figure out when you work with Hispanics in general. And I get this from Spain a lot. Whereas people in in Hispanic countries they don't like saying the uh, I don't know what I'm doing. They just go, oh yeah, yeah I'll get this done. That's the hmm. most dangerous in a fucking tournament. And then the I'll get this done. Four days later, it hasn't been done. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. me I go, I don't know how the fuck to do this, but I'm gonna try. And that's the best answer. And that's the only thing that actually moves things forward. And I learned a lot by doing that. Now I, I'm really good at negotiating now because I did like. 16 different contractor jobs uh, but it was not what I was planning on doing so it seems like somebody did a lot of good prep for the tournament or uh, maybe I'll take the word good out and just say prep because like there were there were like booths on the ground with like people who were selling things and there, there was there had to be like a small level of organization that happened at least on the event front right yeah I mean so people I, th- I think outwardly it looked like the, the tournament was not organized right mm-hmm. uh, or there was not prep but it was being prepped for a while the issue that we, that we came onto that is something I, w- I knew in the back of my mind, but I didn't really realize until this tournament, was that you don't have, because 4D is so new and Epos as well, and we've worked with a lot of contractors and whatever, you actually don't have a list of trustworthy people that you can work with. Uh, you talk to like ESL and PGL, and I guarantee you, like those guys, beyond the, their own workers, they have like, oh, we got a cable contract, we got an internet guy, like we, we know these people, and they've worked with us before, and we can trust them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forty didn't have never done a, a, an event of the scale, so most of the logistics were done kind of like like I mean, you go and you check resumes, you find the right people, you get recommendations, you do your best. But I I can tell you, Joey, that it was like fifty percent of people, I would say, are the contractors more or less, straight up did not show up for their jobs. It wasn't like they didn't know their jobs or whatever; they just straight up did not show up. It was wild. I've never experienced this level of like not giving a shit in my life. I don't know if that's a Peru thing or just a general not trustworthy people. But it was just like cable guy would show eight hours late. Stylist doesn't show up. Makeup ladies want to change the schedule literally the day of the tournament. Oh, yeah. There was, there was definitely some, some weird times where it was like we're supposed to show up at 8 o'clock. And I just look at our group chat and they tell it's like, yeah, the makeup ladies aren't here. or They're saying they want to start at 9. or the, They got here, but they're, they're leaving. They're going, they say they're going to breakfast right now. And, and the, the flippant, nonchalant attitude of these people was so crazy. Like, I would get translators who would negotiate a price with me, and because I was obviously setting up translators for some reason. And then uh, they would come to the data tournament. They're about to translate an interview. They go, I won't do this unless you raise my day rate to X, Y. I'm like, well, you're doing this right now? Are you trying to extort me? Is this, is yes, this the, the, that's, the play? I think that's literally extortion. Yeah, uh, so obviously I went, no, uh, you will get no money. I don't care if the Chinese teams never get a spotlight. I will not pay you more. And that was my, my breaking moment of like, I am not getting extorted by a translator. Uh, and it worked. They, 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 they were ready. But um, this, this happened all the time with like various different jobs. And I was very surprised about this. And I, I did realize the importance of just having people in your corner that you can trust. And this tournament did give a good list of context about that. But it's one of the things that you don't realize the most about tournaments that many things that go wrong are just because you hired a contract you never worked before they're probably not a bad person or anything they just don't care as much as you do and uh, esports is very ad hoc you have to prepare on the fly and something goes a little bit away from plan and all of a sudden they don't give a shit they don't care they don't want to fix it it's it's done and this happens so many times during the Lima major it, so that was the main source of stress it's yeah, interesting. my experience with uh, esports uh, when it comes to the workers and employees and, and companies I guess is that uh, while there are a lot of people at an event, it is actually a very few number of people who actually makes everything work. Uh, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, it, it, you you need the individuals that will take charge of a situation and tell people, "You do this. No, you do it now." 
uh, because otherwise people just don't do anything. Uh, and that's a similar experience, I guess, with, uh, I guess, other things. Like, uh, for me, it was military. It was it was that way a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just like <laughs> esports is just full of incompetence. So there are very, very few key people that really overwork themselves to make things happen. The thing that's wild to me is that, like, the for the viewer, and if you think about the experience of the audience, like, they don't know slash need to know about 95% about that. They, they, they don't care, know, or even think about the fact that hair and makeup isn't coming, that there might not be somebody to run your XLR cables. All, all, all that they see and can think about is, like, why does the audio not work? So it's, like, a few key things that are, like, the most important to go right, but it seems like those also still went wrong, so... <laughs> That was the the concern that I think, or the the biggest takeaway to me, besides the getting people you trust, that I realized was that Richie and I, when we were setting up, I mean, we came in and because we had the capacity of okay, forty setting up all the base stuff, right, and then you guys just do the improvements. We had all these great ideas of like, oh, we would love to do these things that tournaments don't do, but we we have the budget, and we figured out, and we we would move things around to make sure that like this would be a feasible idea. Things like the draft panel, the the group stage uh, red zone. Uh, we had multiple content ideas which never got produced, but they were going to be like kind of innovative in that way. And this, this is very highbrow ideas. And like Joe, you said, Joey, like there's a moment you realize, well, this this is a great group stage panel, but if our mics have this fucking fan for some reason in them, mm-hmm. there's no way anyone will listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember as well, when our viewership was dropping, I would get talents in their best intentions in the world come to me like, I think this format's not working because this, or I think you can improve this. <laughs> Guys, the mics are terrible. That is the biggest Nobody issue. Nobody wants to listen. <laughs> it doesn't matter what we do in this format. We can literally put four X-Pros. We can put the all of OG together and, and film a true sight right there with those garbage mics and nobody would tune in and uh those things just fall through the cracks because nobody is dealing with that like very small like aspects of it uh because sometimes you just need you just need that person like cap says like goes screams why are these the wrong mics because that's what happened by the way it's the dumbest reason richie asked for certain mics to be bought they bought the wrong mics and they bought them a day before he asked for them two weeks before nothing happened and then the day before, I don't know who it was, to be honest with you, but they bought the wrong mics. And then we had to steal, deal with those for the whole group stages. And everything was so on fire that it was only me going, guys, please fix the fan noise. I would come every day to the studio. I feel so bad, guys. I know everything is going bad, but we need to fix this fan noise. It is so stressful. Uh, and so, there's not like a Best Buy, right? They're, 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 you don't just go to like the Lima Best Buy and be like, I'm going to buy four Sure microphones. Like, I, I don't know how no. you do that production in a country like that. Because I'm used to being able to go down the street and buy five microphones or pour two out of my backpack, right? So, yeah. <sighs> equipment was really hard. I can't say how we got a lot of the equipment because it's not legal. But equipment is really, <laughs> really hard to get in for. <laughs> uh, that tournament worked by a pure miracle. Like, um, I think a lot of the uh, what, what as most companies in Lima do, they just import them, right? They just import these things, but you have to ask beforehand. Mm-hmm. So obviously, when we had to uh, rehash some of the equipment list and whatever, when there was last minute issues, uh, when things broke, like there was just no alternative options, and it was just our best. Like Richie and I, and a couple of members. Actually, the CEO of Infamous was helping us. Thank you, Chitian. It was a great savior. But among everyone in Peru band together to make this work, right? And we would literally go to like. Um, 
like flea markets or the equivalent, but there's like tech flea markets in downtown Lima. And we would go there and be like, can we maybe find this equipment here? And we did. That's a lot. A lot of our equipment doesn't come from like proper stores. 4D, the first days were like, oh yeah, we need a, a receipt from these places. Like when we buy the equipment. <laughs> by the third day, they're like, just buy it. Just find it. Uh, it's okay. We'll get, we don't care. We can't reimburse it. It's okay. Just, just get the equipment. And that was kind of how the tournament descended into madness as well. <laughs> I can only laugh at you. The, the equipment came from tech flea markets. Yes. Joey, have you ever had to do anything like that before? When, when I have a problem, I just like go to someone's house and take personal equipment. Oh, we do that too, actually. Yeah. That was also fun. All the casters of Lima were out of equipment for the whole tournament. Oh you should have noticed some of the boxes, the what are they called, the uh, soundboards that we were using, right, for mm-hmm. communication and stuff, some of the cheap ones. You're like, why are these so dirty? <laughs> it's because that's six years old and it's been used to cast, like, five different TIs from the home of this poor guy. So, yeah, that, we had a lot of resourcefulness in that tournament. Okay, so the, the group stage, right, it starts off, you've got all these mic issues, uh, there there was some issues the with the overlays horrendous. and stuff. But yeah, the, there was just a, a that, that, feel, that feels like yeah. kicking you while you're down about the set. Like, I mean, that was the first thing I saw, but I'm like... No, it was I mean, terrible. It was so bad. It, I, I was so, so angry because I designed the Spanish set, right? I went with, mm-hmm. a, I, I literally asked the, the production crew in English and they went, you guys cool with the set? They go, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we got it. Cool. I'm going to go help the Spanish guys have designed their set. I thought I wasn't needed. I designed their set. Their set was, again, it's not like a fucking work of art, but it was decent. It was passable. It had this like kind of uh, yard feel to it. It was very similar to Ludwig's podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And then I come mm-hmm. to our set. I look at it in the first day of groups and I go, what the fuck? happened here i found that our sonographer was didn't come so that was part of the issue of course we okay. had a sonographer hire who didn't show up which is okay i learned was a normal thing uh, but uh, it did get fixed every day and you don't know joey how many how many lengths how much lengths i went through to just to make that sure that set looked chicha and good like by the fourth day i was pretty proud of that set but they would take me every morning at 2 a.m i would take a walk with a social media manager from infamous uh, a caster from 4d and chitiad and like two other people and they were peruanize me that's what they called it and they would show me all the different places where the chicha music is being played so i could actually understand what the fuck is chicha because i have no clue what chicha is i'm <laughs> spanish what the fuck is this it's a it's a music genre it was so stressful imagine you you get a tournament and the and it's finland and they tell you oh yeah it's it's a it's a finished style of music called and that's the theme of the tournament go ahead Avo. good luck <laughs> i mean the funniest part about this is that like if you because you know you guys did pass along to us like oh the theme is chicha right and and i look it up right and it's like the first wikipedia article is a fermented uh, or non-fermented beverage of latin america right. like it has nothing to do with music whatsoever so you have to actually like chicha music and they'd be like okay now you start getting somewhere but it's like it's not it's like just, this this like easily accessible thing. No, and it's a complex social movement that has to deal with like uh, uh, class warfare and the importance of like uh, racial equality in Peru. I'm like, oh, why? Why do you have to give me this task? You realize I am the reason. My people are the reason you have class warfare and racial inequality in Peru. There's no way I should be designing this set. So I got a lot of teachings. I, I had the biggest open mind possible. I just let everyone tell me what their idea of chicha was. Turns out, 
everyone is either lying or Shicha is the most complex thing in the world because I got like 20 different answers. Uh, but I think by the fourth day, and I'm a little bit sad because we only got to see it for one day and mics were terrible, but I thought the set actually looked Chicha and decent by the fourth day, mm-hmm. given our limitations and the ugliest backdrop in the history of backdrops because I don't know who the fuck designed those brick walls, but that was the worst we've ever done. But uh, that You was got more lights though, I think, right? Like, And I think that helped a little bit. No, we changed no? them. You changed them? We literally them? changed them. Dude. Yeah, yeah. That, the, the, that was the first thing I did. <laughs> Dude, the, the, the first day I saw Tsunami on that set, um, who is a darker-skinned individual, I just sent him a Discord message. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're blending yeah, it with the background. The red lights were terrible. I, I would wake up, Joey, at 4 a.m. every morning after doing the cast and fixing whatever shit, and I would be like, all right, time to paste posters for three hours, and that was my job. And every day I would change a little bit of the set. I would go buy popcorn. I would go to these uh, street vendors to get me, like, street food so I could, like, add it to the set and everything. It was – that set driving me insane. And Richie kept telling me, oh, it's – it, don't worry about it. We had a contrary on main stage, and my OCD self could not let it be. I needed that set to be okay by the end of the group stages. It was okay for like half a day, and I'll, I'll take that to me. I'll, I'll bring that with me to my grave. I'm okay with that. That's satisfying. Okay, well, if you're listening to this, just for Avo's sake, go back through and see if you could find the VODs from like day four or five of the group stage. <laughs> because I don't think, I'll be honest with you, Avo. I don't think anybody was watching. Everybody gave up on that stream mm-hmm. after day I one. I didn't even know where to find the stream. I, I didn't even know where to tune in to watch the Dota. Yeah, we did have a social media guy for the whole event, so that also didn't help <laughs> our discoverability. So, so if you could do Avo solid, take a look at that set, and you know maybe if you like it, send a send him a message on social media. Uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, you you guys. Uh, I, 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 from my understanding, from my perspective, you guys were having all these problems because your stream went on first mm-hmm. and you guys were obviously focused on that and dealing with that. And then I was over there at the, what was it, Aorus offices oh, no. going, guys, we're not going to have a stream. <laughs> So I've already talked about this here in the here in the podcast. I did it after the group stage, actually. Uh, but so the, the people have already heard this story. But Avo, what the fuck happened, brother? I <laughs> why, didn't you just, why, why didn't we have a stream? You saw Richie when he when he went there, right? And he was yeah. I. I I never see it, saw him so defeated. I think he cried that day, and I don't joke. Uh, I think that's yeah. the most stressed he's ever been because he was trying to oh, fix yeah. everything. And mm-hmm. the whole thing was pended on, and I'm not going to say his name for his good sake, but there was this one person mm-hmm. who supposedly tested everything in the Aura's office, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we found out from you guys that the testing involved nothing. <laughs> it was <laughs> There's no work done. It was just him checking. I suppose there were mics in the studio. I don't know what it was. Um, for four days, we tried to find this person uh, t- to kill him. I don't really know. <laughs> I, <laughs> say the <laughs> I mean, uh, I okay. <laughs> I have never, I'll be honest, I have never ever said this before in any sort of production element I have ever been a part of. Uh, but I did, I, I, I did tell, uh, I was talking to some other people and Shiva was also there. And I said, whoever was in charge of that should be fired. <laughs> I have never said that because I, I treat like jobs with a certain amount of like, I, I think, you know, people too easily go, oh, you should fire that person. Jobs are very important to people and like their livelihood and how they survive. I have never said that before. I said it in that moment. She ever gave me a look. She was like, what the fuck? And I was like, I stand by that. I don't, I don't give a shit. Like whoever was in charge of that should be fired. 
the, the amount just, of testing they straight up just didn't do the job whatever the job was they didn't do it the amount of testing that went on this tournament that we would find out later that didn't happen right like because they just would confirm it to us because at, at that point we were very naive and we go why would they lie about this right it, isn't it more <laughs> effort to lie about this and to just test it's not a particularly difficult job um there are some issues as well where like when we first planned this hours thing, I mean, there were a lot of issues with the hotel where they, we originally it was all planned in the hotel and the rooms kept getting booked and unbooked. And mm. I don't know if that's on the hotel or someone in logistics because I've never heard of a hotel where like you book a room, they go, ah, it's no longer available, but I've booked it. Isn't that the <laughs> purpose of booking it? But this there were rooms like available times. up through the main event because I, because I got a fresh one too. So they, they were not <laughs> sold out. <laughs> No, this is the wildest part. Well, I mean, the 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 rooms, of course, were were limited. Uh, the okay, I'll share a small one. The original idea that they had, which uh, uh, a person that is no longer with 4D, but th they had the idea of putting the casters in the small rooms where the players were, so like right next to them. And uh, that was the first thing when we got there. We went, no, please, never. Because uh, obviously the players would be playing right next to the cast, which were screaming, and that would cause yeah. uh, competitive integrity issues. Luckily, we didn't. Well, do I, that. I think you that lost on that. Funny. I think you lost <laughs> on the competitive integrity, anyways, when you got to the main stage. But that's a different. Yes, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Anyway. But uh, we're just supposed to be ca casting in the same room as the players, in the room next to it. With in the little room right next to hotels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so luckily we uh -huh. stopped that, and that was all rules was like uh -huh. the last minute idea because there was just no space. Because again, these these magical rooms kept disappearing. Uh, mm -hmm. The booking on booking of the rooms, and we said we need a place we can control. Our offices was there. Of course, we asked the rules. We said, hey, is your bandwidth and your equipment is it good enough? This is the list of equipment. They went yes. Okay. I don't know if it was ours, mind you, or the people that were checking. I don't want to throw ours under the bus. Someone in this pipeline of <laughs> bullshit said yes. And um, obviously, when we got there, we realized none of it was true. The internet was not adequate. The um, the equipment that he said they had, they didn't have, which is is, is something that kept happening to us. By the way, uh, even when we bought equipment, we go to stores, we'd call it like, "Hey, we need this soundboard. We need this many inputs, whatever." Oh yeah, we got it. Go to the store; they don't have it. Why say that? Why am I even calling you? And they go, "We have this other one which does not suit your needs, but uh -huh. you can buy it now." And I went, "No, I need this many inputs. Why are you trying to?" What is this cell? There's no way I'm buying something I don't need. It's equipment. I'm not buying a chocolate bar. I'm not gonna get the smaller chocolate bar. That's not. It's not the same thing. I need a certain amount of XLR inputs. So that happened a lot in Peru. And uh, this is what happened with ours a little bit. Uh, this is why we eventually mo moved out of it and fixed everything. And we essentially, the more we move things in the English stream was just because we were trying to move things into being more into our control per se and our being yeah. Richie's <laughs> I, I'm, I was not part of this <laughs> Richie was tearing his hair up um, so when things started going well in the group stages was more because he managed to find a controlled environment managed to find his own piece of equipment and managed to stop trusting people and just did it all himself which was the, the kind of the, the, his role in the Lima Major so you know that was that was shameful. I think those group stages were probably some of the worst group stages we've ever had, and uh, there were so many issues, and the, all those issues just come from uh, you know, a combination of like miscommunications or just straight up lies, and the, the testing, which I don't understand how that possibly can happen. Like, oh yeah, I tested it. No, we didn't test it. The producers were not aware of it either. They thought they tested it. I don't understand who they were testing with either. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, we sat so there for for three hours for our rehearsal for the group stage. Uh, just sat there bullshitting. Uh, and uh, we're eventually told, okay, you can you can leave now. Uh, things yeah. will be set up by tomorrow. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, it's uh... that was two days. Two days of testing as well that happened, which is what surprises me and baffles me the most. Like it's not like we didn't prepare this. This was part yeah. of the schedule. It supposedly happened, but someone didn't do it. Um, my, my favorite I, part is when we would like I would like have a problem, uh, like the echo in your ears. Right, I hear my own voice. Right. It's half a second delayed. Right, that is incredibly hard to to actually work with. And you would be like, no, this doesn't work. And you would like hand the, he- the headset to them, and you'd be like, I, c- I can hear my own voice, but it's delayed. Like, we need to fix that. That's that's very important. And you know, you, you they would just be like, oh yeah, it's good now. And they hand it back, and I'd be like, no, it's it's the same. <laughs> no, you you try talking to me. Like, let, take on the headset and try talking to me with it on, and then you will understand that what I'm saying is that this does not work. But, you know, <laughs> the- it was just the insistence of like, ah, it's good now. Like, that, no. that was something weird that we had with a lot of people in the major, and I don't know who specifically from like certain companies or whatever. Again, not throwing people under the bus, but this happened so much. Like, I would go, like I said, it's the same thing with the headphones in the group stage. I would go into the studio and be like, guys, there's a wind sound. Can we please try to fix this? They'd be like, oh, I don't hear anything. <laughs> I would put the stream, I would raise it. Oh, I think I can hear something. Dude, it is the loudest. Thing. It's not particularly. Uh, this would happen with my editors too when we were doing content. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, hey, guys, the. This place piece doesn't have subtitles. Go, oh no, it doesn't. Am I crazy? <laughs> I'm watching the video right now. Oh shit, yeah, 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 yeah. that you wouldn't check. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what where this comes from. I don't know if this is a confidence to just say yes. Or, or, or I, I don't know where it's coming from. I, honestly, this baffled me, but it happened so many times. It's the same thing in the studio. We'd have the, remember we had the headsets where only one ear was working and one of the two things? How is that mm. possible? I, I had to show the, the guys in Oru's that would put the ear, I would do this, like, it's only the left ear that's working. I mean, I can work with this, but just note it, right? Because this might be an issue with the battery, might have an issue with the mic. But I think it works fine. No, I'm wearing them right now. It's not. Here you go. It's fine. I go, okay, let's do an experiment. And I took out the ear that was working. I go, can you hear now? He goes, oh, I see it. So, so Ava, what does it do to your mental health knowing that you are truly running yourself ragged working, you know, 18 hour days nonstop for weeks on end to just make this thing work for everybody. And then you load up anything on the internet during the tournament and it is just the world's biggest dumpster fire of people i don't think specifically like wanting your head but just wanting the events head uh like like do you just have to not open the internet which you probably don't even have time to do anyways like like how are you handling that i actually had no problem with that at all um at least read it I had an issue with uh, Spanish uh, media, social media because they were hell-bent on the idea that... Um, I mean, they were criticizing the Chicha theme. They were criticizing the fact that they showed Peruvians as poor because Chicha is like a working-class kind of movement, right? All this other stuff. And I thought, this is so fucking stupid. We don't have audio. I can't believe this is the complaint. Um, <laughs> but on, <laughs> on English Reddit, I thought the complaints were all valid. And in fact, many times I would read, like, these guys don't even know the half of it. They're, they don't even know. This is, this is garbage compared to what we're experiencing. So I, I actually didn't think we'd received enough criticism, so honestly, I thought it should have been worse. I didn't like the comparison to Shanghai Major because I lived both through, through both events and Shanghai Major was worse. I don't know if people yeah. have like, this weird selective memory, but Shanghai Major was insane. I was doing the yeah. Spanish broadcast. I remember one day got so delayed that it combined with a second day and I was there for like 28 hours just casting Dota nonstop in Shanghai because the things were just not working and this event never had that so it was never that close but besides that comparison I actually read Reddit every day it was good feedback in general I mean it's good to go through the feedback um, it's good to see what people were having troubles with so I had no issue with that at all 
my mental health was more affected with, like you said, running yourself ragged. <laughs> and um, I was really struggling. Richie was not. Richie fit into that role really well, and I'm very proud of him for doing that. But I didn't. I struggled a lot with the moment where I kind of had to take charge because I'm not that kind of person. As a Cap knows, I like being a clown. It's a, it's mm -hmm. a persona I, I, I fulfill and I embody. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like giving people orders. I don't like uh, talking over people. I don't like telling people, like, no, your opinion does not matter. You have to do this, right? And there were a couple of moments where I think I was, because I was giving people so much leeway, and they would constantly debate me on things that I knew were like factually incorrect. Like I'm telling you, there's this level of like this video has no subtitles. Yes, it does. Like I'm not debating you on this. Please stop. And and there were moments where I was very close to being a pretty bad person to people, uh, mm. which was I don't think is ever justified. Uh, even if they're under you, they're making mistakes, whatever. It, it's never justified. And um, you saw the post. Wait, 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 hold on. What do you mean by uh, by pretty bad person? Because uh, I, I, mean, I do know. Uh, yeah. Okay. I sat down with you when you were having this conversation with Richie, uh, and it, it, it did stand out to me the fact that you were like, yeah, like I almost like yelled at somebody, and you, you seemed to hold on to this guilt. And Richie was I like, yeah, I, I've been yelling at people nonstop. It's been getting, it's getting results. And I was with Richie. I was just like, yeah, you got to yell at some, you. Sometimes you have to, like, yeah, you don't need to be mean necessarily, but sometimes you do have to yell at somebody to, in order to get the results done in a high-pressure environment. I'm with Avo on this one. I've done a, a thousand broadcasts, and I can't yell at anybody. I can't. I, 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 can't. Mean, I understand your point. I think Richie is, is better than me at doing that, right? But, like, I just couldn't because I'm usually the person that – I mean, Richie and I work together well because of this, right? He goes yells at people. I go and mm -hmm. tell them whether they're still worth something and they can do great things. And then we have – it's a good tandem of not dropping morale. Yeah, uh, you're, you're the you good know, cop. You're just the good cop. You'll learn – when subtitles are or are not in the video. But until that day, just remember, you still have value. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I did with the editing team because th that was actually, because they were the people that were directly under me, right? And they were doing things mm. which were just nonsensical. And I'm not going to go into the details because nobody saw them, so I'm not going to air this out. But there were a lot of issues which were like basic stuff or them not getting things done on time. I knew they weren't working, right? And... Um, Blue, actually, which already did a Twitter post, great Spanish caster was a stage host for the event. He helped me a lot, a, a lot with this because there were a lot of moments where I was very close to just being straight up toxic because like, they're lying to me, right? They're taking advantage of me and they're not working where they should work. And I'm there staying until 4 a.m. when I have a cast tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I see you going to sleep at, at fucking 10 and going for 16 <laughs> cigarette walks. Like, you know, it, it's, it's insulting to me. But at that moment, I also realized that like, if I yell and I become mean and I, I just tell them what to do in a high-pressure environment like production, that's going to work because ultimately they have to get the ball rolling. Like they have to move forward. The mm -hmm. production move fo moves or with or without them, right? So yelling works better there. But in a situation like content, preparation of certain things, getting people to get be on time on their job, this kind of things, which are more like, uh, I guess, like more like project-wise, it doesn't work as well. And me being mean to them, and there was a moment where I snapped a little bit at someone, and I apologized to them afterwards, I don't think that's ever going to be useful. And more importantly, even if that's useful, I don't think I can live myself being that kind of person. It's very dehumanizing, it's very mean, and I don't think I'm suited for that kind of job, personally. So I, I really thank Blue for stopping me during those moments. And, and he told me a phrase that, that really resonated with me. He said, Avo, I don't think you're in control of your own emotions right now. And I said, mm. shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I went out of the room and I realized, yeah, 
that's pretty true. <laughs> uh, that's why I told him shut the fuck up to a close friend of mine. So uh, mm-hmm. I, that helped me a lot, and it, it, it gave me like a second win during like the famous fourth, fifth day of the tournament, and it helped, and it, it allowed me to be more of that person that's solving issues. Um, I got shit on a lot. I became the clown instead. People would attack me. Something would go wrong. I'd be like, fucking Alba, why is this going wrong? I don't know. I, I was stage hosting. I don't know. But if that helps them vent and that makes them work better afterwards mm. and that helps them not scream at the people that they have to work with, fuck it, whatever. So I just took a bunch of a battering from so many departments. <laughs> if you knew the amount of people that screamed at me that tournament, it was insane. It was way, way too many. I, I, I can vouch that I ho- overheard uh, one sentence being uh, said to Avo basically threatening to like rat him out as like the problem for things and i was just like i was i was very close to like saying something because i was just like what the fuck because <laughs> i because I, I, I i've watched you and richie and like i'm just watching you guys like work so hard to try and fix so many problems like seeing somebody else like say something like that to you did did bother me uh but uh you know i i, I only knew so many uh of the, the details of what the fuck was going on so I, I mean, couldn't I really figure out the, the ground problem. to stand on, but I don't know. Like, people need a scapegoat, and <clears throat> when you're the person that's doing a bunch of jobs, but you're not actually capable of anything, and you're also very comfortable comfortable admitting that you're not capable of anything. Like I would tell you, mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, guys. Please help. That was my my motto was I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, I think people give this you when you give that impression, and when you're friendly to them, and when you talk to them at the same level, they think they can scream at you when things get tough. It's not true, mm-hmm. but. Uh, if that helps their morale and it helps them work with others, you know, whatever. I, they, if there's something I could do is take abuse. Like, I have no problem with that. So if that's what they have to do to work well, yeah, whatever. I'll take it. You know what I mean? That's, it's not, I, at one point I didn't care anymore uh, mm. about their opinions. I mean, I do have these people on the list though. Don't worry. Like, there's grudges being held. <laughs> good, good, good. But not in the event. In the event, I was just moving forward and being PMA. It was like mm. a game of Dota, honestly. It was actually the closest <laughs> thing to a game of Dota I've ever experienced. <laughs> Yeah, when, when when I got so I got to the event late. Uh, it, it was for the for basically just for the final weekend. I, I show up on Saturday morning and everybody's whenever's getting there. And um, you looked done. Richie looked like he like he truly wanted to just crawl into a corner. And and um, I I think uh, JJ looked like he got through snapping and got through to the other side where he was just um, like like uh, like the Joker and manic. Um, oh, that's a point. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, Jay, I remember talking to JJ at some point, like honestly, relatively early on to the tournament. He's just like, oh, it's going to be a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all thought. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, just, just so, yeah. So, so much empathy. I, I, I don't know how, like, I mean, I was walking around backstage uh, without passes, by the way. Just side note on the Lima Major, the worst security at any event ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Just yeah. a casual note, um, and, I, and I was just like checking out the tech, and I'm like, "Oh man, I don't. This is this is really a bubblegum situation. I don't know. I don't know how yes, you guys. I don't know how you guys got that venue functioning for broadcast um, <laughs> with, with the amount well, of gear that was there. Well, I mean, by, that's because part of the time it wasn't functioning. Yeah, <laughs> there, there was uh, day one. It didn't didn't really have. Uh, a broadcast to start, right? We finished at 2 a.m. Uh, also. Yeah. 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 As a result, and yeah. What was like the major cause for those delays at that point? Was it was it internet? Was it was it PCs? Was it audio? Like what, what was really struggling for that day one, day two main events situation? Okay, there, was, there were two main issues. Um, one of them was, uh, I can't believe this. <laughs> one of them was tables. 
T- tables? Like, like, like tables? <laughs> yes. I don't know. I think the person they used for like the prototype of the tables and their height was Saksa. Oh, I'm not sure. Because <laughs> no, no, it has the, to be taller because even Saksa even, complained about the table. You know, the weirdest part is in Peru, the average height is like 160. People are so short there. Where do these tables come from? Who is this giant man who made them? Yeah, the tables were too high for the players. A lot of players would complain. Honestly, I got to give credit to every single team. Uh, super understanding about this issue. But it was it was the dumbest fucking thing. Like, the tables were just not correctly um, set. And uh, the player comms were also fucked. So those were the two big issues that we had uh, in terms of delays. It was also a moment where RTZ wanted a monster. Uh, so there's a couple of reasons for those delays. But for the most part, it was tables and it was... <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a monster. monster. He's like, I yeah. need a monster now. And we didn't have so a monster in the arena. Yeah, yeah. Delayed the broadcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, but... What, did you, what did you do... Like what did you do to fix the tables? Did, did people just play with them like that the whole event? We raised, we raised the floor because the tables were against the wall. <laughs> and for player comms, we would literally, uh, we actually had a, a meeting, which was the, I guess, the eight useful people and one not useful person who was just in the meeting for some reason. And uh, we called it a Brothers of Christ meeting. That was what it was. And we had one every hour and we would go, what are the issues we're having? This, 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 this. All right, how do we solve this? This, 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 this. And Richie and Pontus would lead those meetings. Very useful there. And uh, that's how we would find, we would go through like five solutions every two or three hours because, you know, that's how problems were getting fixed, honestly. It was literally bubblegum because nine people, maybe two of them were actually experts. One of them is me. I'm a caster, right? Why? Uh, and, and we're just finding solutions to all these things as they come up, right? And in the first two days, we we're just kind of trying to find how these things work because even though there was a plan set up beforehand that was supposedly prepped, the contractors that did this plan were not as capable as we thought. Uh, a lot of the cabling didn't get done, like straight up. Audio cabling just didn't get done. They came eight hours late, and then they, they, they just didn't do part of it because they had to go home, which, well. Sound, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny about the sound <laughs> thing because uh, I don't know if there were sound engineers. I know they never showed up. But when we looked at the position of the booths, like, I know people talk about soundproof booths, and soundproof booths are good, but in an arena like that, and the way they're put, it doesn't matter how well these soundproof booths are. Like, they're just not going to work. Ironically, though, the actual headsets that we had were good. They were not catching the sound. Was catching the sound, which was the dumbest fucking thing in the world, were the microphones of the players. So the microphones would send into their closed system and then everyone would hear the sound through their own microphones rather than Mm -hmm. through the headphones. Because, well, the proof, the booths were obviously not that soundproof, but honestly, in an arena like that with so many people, it's impossible no matter what. Yeah. But uh, the microphones were just not set up. to. They were omnidirectional for some fucking reason. <clears throat> Even though, of course, we asked for different ones. And, well, this happened. They, they get fixed as days went on, and they get improved on iterations upon iterations of these microphones because getting you know headsets was really difficult. But the first days, it's not that the players heard the audience. The players couldn't hear each other. <laughs> That was the funniest part. Uh, Beast Ghost told me, they're like, I, we can't hear each other because they were shouting yeah. so loud. So that was more the issue. They weren't cheating. They just couldn't hear the comms. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about my main event, but there was a group stage problem with tables as well. That is actually a pretty funny story. Right, oh, right, yeah. Novo? Yeah, that was, that was the, again, the tables are too high for the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first, the first person that complained as well was staking, so they were like, oh, not that big a deal. And then it was sucks. I was like, okay, whoa, what tables did we give these people? <laughs> uh, and we, we had a group meeting. It was a Brothers in Christ meeting, except it was like me, because I was, I don't know, it was like a swarm of people, and I just walked with them to try to fix this. There was like 30 admins. 
And they're like, what do we do? What do we do? It was just a bunch of screaming. It wasn't actually any organization. It was the most, uh, the most disorganized meeting I've ever been a part of. All a panic panicking. mob. It, it, it really was just all panicking in a hotel lobby. And they're like, uh, one person is a caster. His name is Klaus Phoenix. He suggests you guys, guys, I think, I think we can saw tables. I've done this before because he comes from like, he comes from a carpenter family. He's very confident. I go, okay, okay, okay. And Klaus Phoenix goes, so how many tables do we have an issue with? And someone goes, we have 80 tables, 80 tables. Okay, we need 80 saws for the 80 tables. I'm like, what? I intervene. Guys, we need one saw. Me too. We have like two saws. That's all we need. We can reuse the saws. Because Phoenix, his mind lights up. Yes, Avo, that's genius. You saved us so much money. He grabs me, he hugs me. What is happening? It was so manic that people were just losing their mind. Uh, so luckily, we did not buy any saws. We bought four instead. And we saved a bunch of money in our budget because of that. Uh, and then we saw the tables, and they were so well sawed. I was so impressed by how well they sawed them, how quickly it was. And it was solved within a day, which I was very impressed by. Uh, so, you know, kudos to Carlos Phoenix and his dad, a carpenter. Great job. I, I, he was going to be a dentist before this. Now he's sawing <laughs> tables in an esports tournament. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the you know what's okay, fucked so up, the, man? I, I'm, I'm sorry, Austin. You, no, go ahead. I kind of wish I was there to just be a part of this. <laughs> Jane said the same thing. <laughs> I, I, I know that like I'm so fucked up and I love this stuff that I would have gotten like my fucking rocks off by running around and being a crazy person because all all this sounds so stupid but also like such a good time. <laughs> it's it's weird. It is kind of a good time. Like it's stressful because the empire doesn't end up being what you think. Yeah. But um, and, and and to be honest, uh, I was talking to some people's close friends who also work as TOs and they were helping me out a lot during this process. Uh, surprisingly, you know, again, the community thinks a lot of this competition, whatever, but most people were pretty kind during that time because I needed help. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, so I asked a bunch of people. My, my, I didn't realize how many friends I had until the leave of major. Um, and any small win you got during that time, that's something that someone told me, any small win you get feels like a huge victory. So even getting the makeup team and negotiating them or getting a stylist or making the set look good, whatever it is, like these small victories mean a lot. So in, this, in those moments, that, that was actually what kept me going. I was sleeping like four hours a day and it didn't seem that way because I was just running on pure adrenaline. I got very sick after the tournament ended though. But uh, during the tournament, it was great. Uh, if I wasn't talent, I think I would have enjoyed that more. The talent part did make it harder because I felt like my talent work was worse because I was doing a bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. And that felt bad. I was also doing like three roles for some reason, which I was not hired for. I was really just a caster. But you got that John yeah, Patrick were, Laurie main stage gig. So I mean, th th that, that'll go down forever, right? I was pretty happy about that. John is a lovely person to work with. I will say, though, and I have to make this clear, the testicles, the balls bit, that was his. He was really <laughs> hell-bent on adding that. Really, really wanted that balls bit to go through. So we let him have that. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was he was he was lovely to work with. Um, he kind of that was all mostly improv. I wrote the script, but then we didn't have time to practice it enough, so we just kind of winged it a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, he was lovely, but I was not supposed to do that. I was not supposed to be stage host in general. That was that was blue, but he lost his voice, so I covered for him. And the uh, there were some uh, other issues specifically with the English broadcast. Um, there were some audio issues that we had, right? There was like some cable just broke and we just yes. didn't have some sort of like audio whatsoever for all of English production or something like that, right? 
Yeah, there was not a there was when the cables were laying down because of the delays and whatever. They didn't lay down enough, and we didn't have the backup, and so that's kind of what happened. I think someone kicked it. I'm not really sure what happened, but like they literally, it was literally as you guys were <clears> casting <throat> or trying to cast, mm-hmm. uh, a group of the production team just following a cable through the whole arena, like literally just going. Okay, yeah, I was no, no, not broken, them. not broken. Yeah, you enjoyed it. <laughs> You're like, oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> that was because yeah, it started me. from my headset and it went its way back. It was just like, yeah. I go show up first series of the day on the second day. Guys, the audio is just not working. <laughs> like, I, I can't hear myself at all. Like, can we can we get this fixed? And of course, uh, I think it's just like well, a one headset problem or something like that. And then it just kind of went from there. And we did testing, right? It's just these things that you don't really expect. Like, um, obviously, because you can't get the cable guys in when the arena is full of people, right? That's, that's the whole purpose of them coming in earlier, which they did, mm-hmm. of course, do. Mm-hmm. And uh, now setting up enough cables, like you said, bubblegum, right? So we're just trying to fix these things as they go. But um, usually when you're trying to get the tournament just working, uh, most of the contingency plans fall through the cracks. And contingency plans are very important in esports. That's why ESL does so well in the tournaments, because they have like 60 of them. Yeah. Uh, and we had like... Plan A, Plan B, and then panic. <laughs> that was kind of our our plans. Yeah, if you go to like uh, like an NFL game, they don't only have one audio cable running; they have four, <laughs> right? <laughs> because there's a backup That's for the backup normal. for the backup for the backup. Yes, and That's you don't need four. You don't need four, but you probably have two. <laughs> we we should have. We had one. We had a single one. <laughs> I think we did. I think we did have a backup, but it wasn't properly connected. I'm not really sure. I was. You'd have to ask Richie about those specific details. I just saw him that day with a. The, the saddest I've ever seen him, right? So at breakfast, and then, <laughs> well, the day after, because of the audio cable issues. So I just couldn't on that. So there, the especially for the main event, there were uh, the Spanish broadcast would start, but the English broadcast would not for a long period of time. And uh, my understanding was there were parts of the broadcast we couldn't show yes. on the English broadcast. <laughs> Why? So we were informed. So for the. Obviously, the only thing we understood about Chicha is that it's music. That was the only thing that we actually got about the theme. Again, no offense to Chicha. I'm sure it's wonderful. I just, I'm not Peruvian, so I don't understand it. Uh, but the original idea was they had a custom song made, which you saw the video clip really well done, actually. One of the few parts of the tournament looks like it was prepared. Uh, they had a concert ready for the first day. It was super exciting. Like it, I thought that was the best part of the, of the whole theme because that... It's the purpose of it. And for like a month, a month and a half, I would even say, Richie and I were telling uh, 4D guys, hey, you, we have the licensing so we can show this on stream, like the music, because obviously you need to pay for the rights of this music. Obviously our own song, no problem, but the songs that were not our own, because these are like, these are mega hits of uh, Cumbia and Chicha in general. So these are like pretty big songs. So we had to ask for rights for those. And... Now I know that apparently we did have rights, <laughs> but the communication until the day that the concert happened, and even afterwards, right, was that uh-huh. we didn't have rights. So hmm. by our understanding, we didn't show the concert. And obviously, when um, unless it's like triple confirmed to you that you have rights, you cannot start a Twitch podcast with potentially licensed music. That's like a big no-go. So we decided not to do that. But it wasn't that the English podcast was not ready. They were ready, in fact, that day to do the concert, and, and they were ready with everything. But we didn't have rights to the music, uh, or we, did, we didn't think we had rights to the music. I still don't know what the truth is. Every person I ask changes this answer. <laughs> I've stopped searching for it. I don't care. It just it makes me angry. When I found out that we did have rights, I was just very livid. So I went outside, I cooled off, and I... Never, never touch this topic again. Because it, it was one of the coolest parts of the tournament, for sure. Like I, I, there were very few times where I've ever had live music at uh, a tournament, and I 
only like when Dream League had their whole deal where they would do like the the song walk in sort of thing. The, 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 besides that, I've never had music be so tied into a production mm -hmm. that yes. I've watched. So. Yeah, it was great. Me and Adrian, who was one of the heads of 4D, one, I think the only happy moments I had during that storm was, was I was building the set for them, and we went to um, like the equivalent of Ikea in Peru, I think it's called Surimac, uh, to buy a bunch of the things for the set. And in the car, we're just jamming to the playlist of the tournament. We're just singing together, because I know most of these songs, I mean, uh, for English speakers, they're probably pretty new, but for Spanish speakers, even in Spain, they're pretty well-known. Cumbia is a very well-known like uh, uh, genre. So it was, it was great. I was like, oh, I'm so excited for this concert. I can't wait to see it live. Obviously, I didn't get to see it live, because I was fixing issues in instead and it was not on our stream either <laughs> but it, it was great i recommend you go back to the 4d vods and watch it it is it is honestly a concert to behold they got they got the really famous uh, singer to do it as well it was pretty big god i didn't even know that happened i truly had no idea that even happened like like no that's no most shit. of our tournament <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you don't know how many content pieces joey i had to film and scrap i have 35 scripts that never got produced, <laughs> among other things. It's like this tournament is the uh, is a graveyard of ideas. Is what it was. That's a bummer <laughs> because I, I, I just know how much wasted time that is. And clearly, like the through line through all this is that you didn't have time. So to just throw yes. some away on other things is just gutting. Yeah, I felt bad. I mean, I'm used to this because it's happened every time as a content producer for events. I just like scrap some scripts. Yeah. Um, you can ask Slacks. I think that's his experience every tournament. <laughs> some, yeah, there's, some a, there's a few other talent who have. Uh, have gone through that process of uh, having a uh, a segment or a piece of content, and it doesn't make it onto the broadcast. And some people yes. can be uh, very upset when that happens. Yeah. Uh, I've I've seen that, and it's really funny because uh, I had this conversation with some talents when that happened, and. I always think, bitch, you don't even know the half of it. You don't even know what content is like, dude. Uh, and for our content, yeah, we, the the scrapping of scripts felt a little bit bad, but not that bad. It just bothered me that it wouldn't tell me beforehand, or it bothered me the reasons, right? Like if I, if we do a script, I always produce more scripts than needed, like for DPC for whatever. And if a script doesn't get produced because we're missing something, like um, it, we feel realize not for the theme of the event, a team gets knocked out. That happens all the time. That's fine, right? Or a team's doing poorly and no longer is a good uh, script for them. It's fine. I don't care. But if the script gets not done, because and the reason was quite literally Nima, I couldn't find a cameragrapher. There was just not a videographer available ever for me. They were doing other things all the time, mm -hmm. which never got produced either. That kind of stress does, the, that bothers me, because it's like this is just a lack of planning and logistics, and we could have fixed this easily. Um, but I'm not the boss of the videographer, so I can't tell him, please be here at this time, which I did try, but it did not work. They went, you're not my boss, you can't tell me this. And I went, okay, touche caught me. I guess we're not filming. <laughs> Dude. Lying I like that. You, uh, you sly dog, you. Uh, I'm not your boss. So you can skip out on work. Very well done. Uh, Joe, you got any more questions? You got any more questions about this tournament? I think I, I, think I have a big one. Um, how did they get this contract? <laughs> uh... <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I guess it does. It's probably economic related, but like, how? Look, I, I, I can't believe I'm going up to bat here for 4D, but I, I think that um, it's really difficult in Dota right now. Uh, so Dota's in a really difficult spot uh, for TOs because if you're a new TO and you're actually passionate about Dota and you want to make a good product about with Dota you kind of have to come from building Dota tournaments. Mm -hmm. 
And the chances of you having done a major before are none because you're new. That's the whole point, right? <laughs> and you're not going to be able to do a Valorant event of the similar size with a lot more help because Riot does, does, is much more interventionist in that sense, right? Or a Rocket League or whatever the hell. You don't get the chance. I, I, well, I understand the purpose of... Like, it's always the issue that Dota will have uh, as an eSport, which is I think Dota is the only eSport or stands out to me at, that needs passionate individuals more so than anything else. I think it's a very specific community. I think the watchers only watch Dota. I think the usual esports shenanigans don't fly in Dota. I think we have a very weird style of doing comedy and doing everything. We have slacks. Like, there's a lot of things that make our, our esports very unique. And um, it's important to bring up talent. And, uh, and talent does not just mean, uh, you know, literally casters, but it's also important to mean TOs. And it's the same issue that you have with hosts, right? Well, like... If you want a host for TI, are you going to pick a host from outside? Or are you going to pick a host that's done Dota for a while? Mm -hmm. Well, if you bring Frankie, I guarantee you Frankie has 10 times more experience than anyone that's ever done Dota. Nat will never reach the experience that Frankie has done because Frankie can do multiple games. Uh, but Nat comes from Dota or Snare or myself or whomever, right? And um, that's always going to be a debate. It depends on who you ask. But I think for TOs, it's not really up for debate because you kind of need to give these guys chances. You need a TO that's going to be the South American TO. And you need to at least at one point give this dude a chance. And in the case of 4D... I would not say that the issue was giving him the contract, but more so maybe it, wasn't the, it should have been the first major. Maybe it should have been the third. Because in the first major, uh, particularly uh, fiscally, it's really difficult to find sponsors, yeah. uh, which 4D found a little bit, but the English podcast has none. We'll have Boom, that's it. Uh, so obviously there was a lot of money lost there. Uh, you have uh, a lot of issues with uh, preparation, of course, because four months to prepare, that's the thing is eight months, right? So maybe for the first TO, you would consider not giving the first major, you would give a little one. But obviously the first TO is hungry, and I can tell you that was not a valid decision, that was more of the TO's decision, thinking, well, at least we get a major if we do it first. And that could have been a mistake. You could argue that for 4D, that could be a mistake, but you got to get the start somewhere, right? They took a big risk, they failed, uh, but I wouldn't want them out of Dota. I know people will hate them for this major, but uh, you need to have an alternative or a, competitive, a competition to ESL, PGL, right? It's important to have new TOs that are coming into the game. It's important to have TOs that care about the game. And when I tell you the 4D is stupid, they are really stupid. Uh, because they're really stupid, they pay their workers well, they pay their mm -hmm. casters well, they actually try to create a good environment, they care about yeah. this. So, I don't know. I was really angry after the major at, at them for everything I went through. Uh, I kept this was more because I was a little bit more uh, open about this during the event. Uh, and it was a very stressful experience. But I think for the ecosystem, it's important to give these chances even if they fail. One bad major won't define your eSport, but having no TOs will. And an eSport that's growing old will lose TOs over time. I would say. Yeah. Especially don't I, TOs. I think that's, that's very well put. Uh, I do I want to tackle slightly. The, uh, you said, so the first TO, you don't have very much time, right, to both prepare. And you said four months? Yeah, more or less. So that's the amount of time that they went from bidding on the major, they got the confirmation that they got it, and then... That was the remaining time from when the tournament actually starts? I would say, I don't know if it's exactly four months. I mean, it was like around TI time, right? Because that's when the majors get decided, right? Or a little bit before right. TI or whatever. So more or less. Joey, uh, from your experience, uh, production of this <clears throat> size, uh, and you're not on the tournament organizer side, but you do have some experience with selling for sponsorships and stuff like that. Like, what is what would be a normal amount of time for something? What would you expect? Like, what what is like the minimum that should be expected in something like this? And and especially from the selling sponsorships aspect, it's inversely proportional to the experience of the crew. 
So the more experience your crew has, uh, either be it in sales or production or live broadcasting or whatever, it's the less time you need, right? So if, if you're talking to a bunch of people who are doing this for the first time, they need more time for everything. Um, I'm sure if, if there is still passion inside of 4D and people who care, which I'm sure there are a lot of, it's it's there's so much to learn and take away from from this that I think is like a big picture long term win, but. Oh man, what 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 a hit to their like brand and just like trust and community sentiment by by being hung out to dry like this. I I I couldn't do an event like that in three months without spending probably five times the amount of money they did. It's the thing. Yeah, I mean that's that's something that they I think they took the risk right, and that's that's the stupidity of a lot of people in general, right? We take bigger risks, uh, even though we know from every source that our esport is not the most profitable, and lots of TOs could do other esports instead, and we just do it for Dota. Uh, because we just love the game. I think Epo's has had chances to go to other esports. They chose not to. Uh, I am to blame partially for that. Rich is to blame partially for that. Pontus is to blame for that. Like it's just a matter of we just like this esport. And obviously, that's not a a justification. I I, I feel bad when I say these things because you I, I hate appealing to passion when you're a viewer. Like you want a product, you got paid for it. I understand you want people to do their job, but yeah, at the same they time, didn't really pay for it, but. Okay, sure. I, I don't want to go down they that path. They are watching for free, but... Yeah. <laughs> My point is, like, they're viewers, that they're part of a community, they have a right to feel like they are owed more. I, I have no issue with that narrative. It's just more along the lines that, um, as someone who's also the insider, it, it's important for the scene to give these second chances um, because not everyone will come with this experience, and it's a hard appeal to make. I also will say that people, I think people think these jobs are more coveted, coveted than they are. Esports production in general are not coveted at all. It's actually one of the biggest reasons why you have issues in getting professionals, right? Uh, because you can't pay the salaries that literally any other studio production can. Mm -hmm. Not Dota. And so the people you get are half passion. Or they're me. Where you're like, why is this guy here? He's unqualified, but he's doing things. But he's unqualified. There's no way I should be running this kind of tournament. Like, there's no way I should be helping behind the scenes. But they need someone to do things, right? Uh, same with Richie, same with whatever. Like, someone just steps up, and they do the best they can. And that's mostly what this eSport is about. And then sometimes and, uh, people get good enough, and then they just get poached by the people who will pay them more money. Because eventually, no matter how much passion <laughs> you have, no matter how much passion you have, if you learn to be a really fucking good TD, someone else will come knocking, and they'll pay you five times as much. That's just, just going to happen to some people soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of people in that, in that major are getting pushed, let me tell you that. And that's mm. because also in those moments of high stress, you also, like, you can look at the best resume in the world, but the, uh, you also want people that are easy to work with in moments of high stress and that are willing to put that extra mile, right? Or mm. Go that extra mile. And I think a lot of people in that major proved it. Like, as much as I know who I will never work with after that major, <laughs> I also know who I would trust in my life. There are people in that major mm. who I would straight up, like, I would give them my, my, my firstborn child, like, take care of it for two months i wouldn't care i would trust them it's fine it's all good it, it's literally like going through a like a traumatic situation with these people because yeah. it's so yeah. stressful and there was such a so many emotions there yeah when you're in the shit together right you, yeah it, it bonds people together and uh in a way that like very few other experiences uh really do um i think that uh part of something the of what you said i guess uh, it, could you just give me like why was the why was this major a, a shit show? Can you give me like a big broad picture of like, you know, what that what that explanation is? It was it was logistics. I mean, it's one of some board. It's logistics. Um, when you work in smaller shows and 
I'm sure you've experienced this in Cap. Like, you work in small productions, you have control over everyone, and usually you have a very small group of people. Yep. Uh, not only are things usually getting done, because the small group of people tend to be much more passionate, hence why they're working in smaller shows and not a big production, but also, you know immediately when things are going wrong. There's ever so few things that can go wrong, right? There's only so much prep, there's so much plan Bs and plan Cs that you have to make. Mm-hmm. In the grand scale of things, when you do something like the major you're working with, I'm talking, I think it was 2,000 people are employed in total major, right? Like for the yeah. vendors, uh, cabling, people building booths or not building them for that matter. Uh, the table guy, <laughs> I need to find that dude. Uh, and <laughs> all, all these things, uh, when a small piece is missing, you need someone who's overseeing the bigger picture, whose only role is to oversee the bigger picture, who tells you what that piece is going to make, what, what that piece will crumble, right? Well, if someone messes up their job, nobody at the major knew what the repercussions of those were. Okay, so cabling guy is eight hours late. That's obviously bad. I know he didn't do his job. Okay, I get it. What happens now? Like, what, how do we save this? We didn't have that person, because there was not just not enough people, who said, right, we need to plan this, 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 this as contingencies now, because we just messed up in this aspect of our plan. We have this grandiose plan, and we, this, this went wrong, let's fix it. That didn't happen. And we also have the logistics person who is uh, very good. We need that person who says, these people are not very good, and these people are very good. And he needs to tell everyone, trust these people, don't trust these people. And that's a really savage way of saying it, but in a high-pressure situation, you don't get the luxury of saying, oh, maybe he will get this done this time. No. No. You need the trustworthy, trustworthy people. And they're the only people that make decisions or should make decisions in those moments. And I guess uh, one other thing on top of that, you, you said it, it was a failure, but I do think the tournament came together in the end, just like the group stage. Uh, I feel yes. like the first two days were, were terrible, uh, mm. but by the end of the group stage, it was... a Decent product. Disagree. And the I, results are bullshit. Whole thing was staged and <laughs> fucked. It's <laughs> Okay, yeah, right, we, we got the salty right liquid on. fan here who flew all the way to Peru. Oh man, you really did jinx that tournament, didn't you, Joe? You should just <laughs> stop attending any liquid events ever again. You should just only send uh, other people to, to to do that job. But uh, but I think by the end of the main event, I, I think the end product was good. And so many times I've heard from tournament organizers that are not nearly as inexperienced as as like 40 was that like what matters is the final show like yes. if, as long as that comes together in the end then the tournament was a success so by that metric i would say that this tournament was not a failure that's for certain right i guess uh I mean, we also had six days of main event, which is the biggest any majors ever done, right? Most majors do three days, three to four, yeah. right? Uh, six is well, a huge amount. Uh, so there was all, there's a lot of things that we can do to pep ourselves up, and I think that's fine. I, I feel like, to me, though, it's more about the process, right? I see, I've seen some tournaments which look amazing, and the process was terrible, and some tournaments that look just okay, but the process was great. And that's, that's what matters in the end. I think the product, to me, doesn't matter as much because I'm already behind the scenes. So I already know what went wrong, and I already know what would be to fix it. I don't, I don't consider things a failure or not a failure. I obviously joke about that because th- that's the opinion of the community. But to me, it's more about learning from this experience and seeing what we can do better. And on a more personal note, of course, because all these things were happening, I didn't feel particularly proud of my talent performance in that major, and it was important to me to do a good job. And that was something that I, I will carry with me for a while. I thought it was, it was okay. I thought I could have done certainly better. I thought I was dealt a pretty bad deck of cards, but I did what I could. But uh, I don't think what I could was my best. And that saddened me a little bit. I'm impressed uh, you got in front of, of camera at all, like knowing that everything was going on. Like, like oh, well, you... I was about to say, Richie, Richie didn't, right? Did, did Richie one, do a single cast. cast? Oh, he did, he did one. one cast. Oh, that's right. Which was not, not very good because we didn't practice at all. And it was, it, our yeah. cast is very difficult and we, he, he was stressed out. But, you know, I mean, we did what we could. It was an okay ish cast, not the best games either. 
but yeah, that that I carry with me much more so. It's a little bit saddening. That's why the whole talent versus TO thing it's like a it's a very difficult thing. Slack said this already, right? I will never be talented TO again. You shouldn't. Um I mean I wasn't even TO, I was just a content manager, but I just did more things because why not? Uh but you know, that's that's the only thing I, I do carry myself as more of a failure. Or not failure, but I, it could have been better, I guess is the right word. Well, Avo, I appreciate all of your hard work. Uh, and Thank same you. goes to Richie. And I feel like you guys, from my perspective, worked your asses off and were put in an impossible situation. And if you weren't there, then uh, I have no fucking clue <laughs> how much worse things could have gotten. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have my appreciation no for that. Comes. No makeup, no player comes. That was, that's the two <laughs> things I can guarantee you. Golly. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it feels good. It feels good in the end to have that. And I also gained an appreciation in that event, not just for the peers and production, but also for talent. Um, I think it's very difficult when you're a talent because you, like, we're friends, you would say. Some people were friends, not necessarily everyone. <laughs> but, uh, but you compete against each other, so it's a very difficult mm. situation because if a talent succeeds, sometimes it means you're not succeeding. And it's a very, it's difficult to come to terms with that. And I've definitely felt jealousy when talents succeed, and I'm not ashamed of admitting it because, you know, it's my job that or I want to do their job, right? Sure. Uh, but this was the first event where, quite genuinely, after this event, I don't think I'll ever feel it again. If anyone that worked that event, particularly, but in general, the talent that I do trust, succeed, it's going to be pure joy and excitement. If I can do anything to help out the people that did so much of the event, uh, just to do better, even at the cost of my own talent work in this case, like I wouldn't care anymore. And I was very happy to breach that threshold because there's a threshold that I was bothered by morally for a while. And now oh. I just wanted to do well. I felt like I, I honestly, I didn't, I mean, I know from my, I kept on asking, I was like, anything you guys need, I will help with anything you need. But I, you never took me up on that. I didn't do shit. And I feel well, like most of the talent, honestly, yeah. didn't really do shit. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. not the day one, day one main event was a long day for some people. That yeah. one was, that was the rough one. But I feel like for the most part, it really wasn't that bad for talent at all. Didn't it just give you like you know, flashbacks of old esports? Like you guys could have been there and been like, man, this is so nostalgic of like 2012. Yeah, like, like 12, that's, 14 hour days. Like, yeah. yeah, whatever. 16 hour days. Yeah, we've done those before. Yeah. Oh, no, that's the, the, the difference the difference actually from the talent thing I was actually talking to somebody else about this is like the difference is and I, and I've noticed differences in way that the talent interact with each other is that it used to be that you would the day would start and you would all get on the bus together and you would all leave at the end of the day right and so everybody's day was the same mm -hmm. and nowadays there are shuttles going back and forth all the time for these tournaments and talent could just be like eh, it's fucking 11:30 uh, i guess i'll get out of bed and i guess i'll head over to the stadium you know like you could do that sort of thing uh but like it used to be that like you would all go in together and you would all leave together at the very end and i think that that did form a, a certain kind of bond where even if you only worked one series you ultimately were at least there uh at the tournament the entire time and that also usually meant that if you were there, you wanted to work. Uh, so more so, like, more people wanted mm -hmm. to actually be doing stuff. And nobody really, like, got upset about, like, different workloads and stuff like that. So, mm. I mean, I, I don't think the jobs are particularly important. I mean, uh, to me, I think the, the talent did a great job, particularly the panelists. I think they carried a lot of the show. Mm. And that was... I mean, I feel partially responsible. I was supposed to be on content, even though it wasn't my 
reason why the content didn't get produced, but I sure. felt bad about that. Uh, but it was the vibes that they gave me. There was a couple of moments. And Gabe aside, who's now I determined 100% a serial killer after this tournament. <laughs> uh, everyone else had a pretty positive demeanor. Uh, they didn't laugh at me and make sarcastic jokes like fucking Gabe. And everyone was uh, kind of made the misery a little bit more livable. I, I thought I thought in general it was uh, like the vibes of the talent and the players in general were surprisingly good and understanding. And I, that meant a lot. It was like a moment yeah. of clarity. And to I, me, the I was actually awesome. blown away at the the little amount of social media bitching from yeah. the player side. Because <laughs> let me just say, like five years ago, kind. yeah, it would not kind. have been that way. I don't know. Yeah, like like uh, I think it's just honestly, I think it's just age. Like I think a lot of these players have gone through bad events, good events, have more respect for the people that are working the show that isn't just them. Uh, probably deal with the stress of playing better than they used to. I think there's just probably a lot of things, but honestly, I think it's mostly just age and experience, and there's a lot of people out there who just kind of like, you know, will tell you, hey, this is, it's okay. People are trying their best, you know? Yes, that's the case as well. Like, I think that's uh, an important thing that in front of the scenes, it wasn't really noticed, or like in the writer or whatever, but behind the scenes, everyone knew it. It's not that these guys are not trying, or they're yeah. trying to save money or whatever, but they're mm -hmm. not. Losing money. Let me just put it out there. A lot of money. <laughs> but what they're it's just that they're not that competent. <laughs> that's the reality of it. And that's okay. I mean, I, I, because a lot of these people went through that, right? I mean, obviously, there were some competent people. That's not entirely true. But it's the idea that they're trying, and that's what matters. And a lot of players knew that. And they would ask for requests and be like, let's see if we can make this happen. And people would bend over backwards to make sure these requests happened because we cared for them. Because we didn't want the players to be angry. Not because of the social media, because we they're just people. Mm -hmm. And there was certainly a lot of this uh, idea that we're a community for this event. I cannot tell you how many people from Lima came in. I've worked in the Spanish team for like 10 years. I've amassed a fair amount of contacts. Every single person on my fucking phone was in that major in some capacity, helping, you know, it was crazy. I, we had the CEO from Infamous doing, running, like literally being a runner. The ex uh, guy from Live Media, like the, the, the CEO of Live Media is helping 4D sell sponsors. Why? Their competition doesn't care. Uh, ESB is giving us, uh, is giving us context to equipment. Like everyone was there. There are people in the admin room like, aren't you a caster? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm an admin for this tournament. Okay, sure, yeah, cool. There were streamers that were coming by just to sign autographs and moments of dead time even though they were originally hired for other things they would just do oh yeah sure and they would appease the audience the amount of wholesomeness and community feeling in that major was really high and that made the major that was one of the highlights of the major knowing that ultimately you know people are pretty decent people are actually kind of kind of good and at least in the dota scene it seems like <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people who were on the ground in the stands genuinely had a phenomenal mm -hmm. time and were just happy to be there I got to talk to a lot of them and everybody was really happy. So, you know, I, I think for those people, giant success. Yeah, they enjoyed it. I, I had a lot, a lot of positive uh, feedback from people there too. Mm -hmm. um, I think I shook half of Lima's hands in that major. It was kind of insane. Uh, but they were, they were all very positive. They were all so happy uh, to be there. Um, I think it showed with the way that they... I mean, they were just excited that there was a major in Peru at all, right? And a lot of people that were from Lima were more understanding of, like, especially people that were involved in production. Like, they just knew. Like, the reason why Life Media or Infamous or whatever was helping us is because they knew how difficult this was. It wasn't, like, and because partially the geographical situation in Peru. Uh, so I think that was very communicated in the community. Social media for Spanish was uh, atrocious, but the, the people that actually came to the event 
Came to La Creme. I think all the good people came to the event, and then mm. the bad people stayed home. And I realized that <laughs> I did not. I did not open my Facebook page for a solid two weeks. That, that <laughs> Honestly, I, yeah. you know, line events always, uh, I think, uh, really give you a good idea of the loud minority on the internet. Because, like, so, like, I've never had a problem. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever, like, I've had awkward interactions. In fact, I've even met toxic people who I've met online and were toxic. And then I met in person that they were nice. I will shout out to, uh, there There was one time I was at, uh, I think, an ESL event. And there is a North American player. I don't think he plays anymore. He goes by the, the, the name Venom. And he was notorious for being extremely toxic. And I'd been toxic to me multiple times. And I called him a piece of shit and all these sorts of things. And he, he ends up, we ended up taking a picture. I did not know at the time. We take this picture with this, this guy who's like, hey, can, can we get a picture? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm like, eh, hey, uh, and uh, hey, nice to meet you. And he, he starts walking away. And then he turns around and he says, oh, it's Venom, by the way. <laughs> he just kept walking. Jesus Christ! <laughs> but like, I've never, I've never had a problem with anybody I've met in person. Uh, but like, you know, like obviously there is just like uh, there's this loud minority. Like the the difference of what people are like in the venue and what people are like online is is very different. Um, it always I, blows. I, it always blows my mind how many stupid people listen to our show when I go to events around the world like this, uh, because the amount of like, a, like a dozen people at the venue are like, "Oh, hey, we listen to the podcast," and I'm like, <laughs> "Why?" Yeah, people tell me to say hi to Joey all the time. Yeah, I'm just like, huh? So, so I mean, I I truly only met really nice, wholesome people at the entire time, and I had a great experience. I think these people are lying. I'm not, I'm not as wholesome as you guys. Okay, <laughs> I met one. I met one guy at the event. What do you mean you're not as wholesome, Mister? I can't yell at people. I feel <laughs> will, will hold the guilt for the rest of my life if I yell at somebody. Yes. Yes, because I hold the venom inside of me, right? Like your oh, friend is. Okay. I, it's, it's all inside. Look, there was one guy that came to me. Obviously, most people know me not as an English caster, but as a Spanish caster. So they, mm. they, he came to me and goes, Avo, oh, well, I've followed you for years since you changed your name. Oh, I'm such a huge fan. Great. Sign autograph. Can you give me a, a hello? I film a video for him. He goes, I'm, I'm this guy. I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I send you all the death threats. <laughs> I check my Facebook and in fact, he does. He does send me death threats. And I'm of like, course. okay. Uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. See you later. What the fuck? I don't even know what to say. He was so nice. He was genuinely the nicest person ever. And then I realized the world is a farce. The world is a farce. Everyone is fake. You don't trust people. No. Uh, I just think people in, in real life are more The way he expresses love is through sending you death threats. They yeah. humanize you when they see you, and I think that changes yeah. a lot. And that's yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. take. I don't think that they're better people. I do think that general people on the internet are very uh, callous when they speak to others. Oh yeah, uh, they, it's just that we are characters on their screen, and you know they they don't treat the the people they see on the screen as real human beings. That's all. Yeah, they don't have empathy through the computer. And when they <laughs> yeah. and in real life though, it's good they have empathy because some people don't have empathy at all, and that's the scary ones. Like the one yeah. wearing a scream mask, and we never found him again in the event. Mm. We don't know where he went, <laughs> but he was very ghost face. You know, somewhere in Lima, he's still there. He's there. <laughs> he was the one who, who cut the audio lines. Yeah. yeah he was the one. He, he kicked those XLRs out, yeah. <laughs> that was actually a funny story. That was the only moment <laughs> when Richie very worsely commented on my cast of Jenkins. When we saw Ghostface, we talked talk about how he's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. We started joking about murder, and then Jenkins makes a call on a mass murder. <laughs> and Richie immediately, in my, in my headset goes, 
I will uh, please steer Jenkins away from mass murder. Mass murder <laughs> is not good for broadcast. There are enough I, problems at this event. Please don't add on the rumor I, of a serial killer in the midst of it. <laughs> it was specifically those two words that just triggered the fuck out of him. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do this. Anyway, Jenkins, what about the game? That's the... Yeah, it was uh, it was very funny though. I, I like those moments, Richie. When he gets serious, it's it's kind of a funny guy. What uh, you got? Anything else you want to talk about for this uh, this major, or anything else in general? Uh, for me personally, yeah. Mm-mm. No, I think I said I, I I made my piece. I think um, I guess, I guess uh, the one last thing is I really want to give a shout out to particularly a lot of the uh, the four D talent. Uh, because a lot of the Spanish talent, well, that's not true. The people that worked for 4D, not the Spanish talent. The people that were there, and they were also talent. All of those guys, much like Richie and myself, I think they were doing multiple jobs as well. And most of the time, that wasn't being noticed. But like, like Flapjack was an analyst. He was an interviewer sometimes. And he was also the talent manager for Spanish. And at parts for English. And he got me underwear. Uh, which is a story I'll tell uh, later, <laughs> later down the line. <laughs> I got the fucking underwear story. Now you have to tell it, now that you referenced it. Okay, I'll tell you in a sec. But I want to give a shout out to Flapjack, to Blue, okay. to Impidious. All these people, great, wholesome people. Uh, fantastic uh, people to work with. All right. Yeah, I only met uh, a couple of the Spanish talent, um, but I did meet Blue. Seemed like a, a very lovely guy. I mean, I, I've met him before, uh, at an event before, but um, yeah, he, very lovely guy. And then uh, I, I forgot his name, the host. The guy I told Nicka? you that I'd really like it. Yes, Neca. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Neca was great. Met him. Yeah. Super nice guy. Like again, it's like one of those sort of things that, like, as talent, you don't understand the words, but you can kind of tell who does a great job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I thought both of those guys were very good. They were also very nice. They're very good. They're they they're very good. All right, I'll I'll tell the other war story, and I'll try to not ruin my career in the process. Uh, so you don't have to tell it if you don't want to. <laughs> well, no, I think it's fine. I don't. I think it's kind of a funny story. Oh Jenkins told <laughs> Jenkins told me the other day. He told two thousand people. Uh, so I thought. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, oh he just... already told this story for you. Oh, that's nice. yeah, yeah. And I was like, "What do you mean, two thousand people? How many friends?" I think he told that no, story. I, but I, 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 one thing I've learned about Jenkins real quickly is that he is, is such an open book uh, about yes. his personal issues and stuff like that. He will tell you things, and he just doesn't seem to have any ounce of shame. And I think he thinks that other people operate the same way and will just, so if you share something with him that might be, you know, a little bit awkward, shameful, something Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that, like he doesn't even think about it and will just then regurgitate it to the rest of the world if the the opportunity comes up. Yes, especially if he thinks it's funny. He just thinks it's like good content. He has has no content human beings. But it's your content. It's not his content. Luckily, I don't have much shame either. Uh, I think the things that you're shameful about, I think you should tell because that way you fix them, right? I have Uh more shame over things that I've done wrong than this story. I think this story is just me being a degenerate, which I truly am. Um, uh, This is is something you should be uh, ashamed of, yes. Go on. I I disagree with that, but okay. I... Uh, so, so what happened is in the, in the event, I think this was maybe the third day, third day of the event um, or so, and um, we had a washing in the hotel. Uh, we had like laundry, but <laughs> we had to use a special kind of laundry that was through hospitality. I did not know this, so I used the wrong the long laundry service, and my laundry was a day late as a result of that. Um, and so I woke up one day and I had no underwear. 
that was clean. And so obviously I thought, well, the most logical choice, because Cap, you told me later I could turn them around, but I didn't know that at the time. Yes, the secret, if you have dirty underwear, you could do is reverse it and also flip it inside out. You can wear it four different ways that way. I, that's excessive for things too much, but two I can see, but uh, sure, regardless, <laughs> regardless uh, I didn't know that, so I just went commando, and I thought that's going to certainly work. Um, mm. So what I didn't realize, and this happened, at the beginning I was just sitting, I was sitting on the bus, and it was fine, it felt a little bit uncomfortable, it was fine, I was wearing like shorts, whatever. And then when I started standing for a long period of time, which was when I was getting to the casting desk and saying hi to a bunch of people, I realized that the commando was making me want to take a shit constantly because there was nothing covering my ass, right? So I felt the <laughs> constant... I still do not understand. I, 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 yeah, should, should I ask okay, questions so, about that? Because, like, <laughs> this is... This is not... This is a, that, that's not a, normal, right? Like, we put, no, we put it, the, is, it is. Okay. Uh, okay. It is. Look, it's a Pavlovian response. Because when you go to the bathroom, right, you take off your clothes, right, or your pants and your underwear. Generally, yes. So obviously, yes. when... Yes, you should. And obviously, when you have nothing there, my body immediately knows, oh, it's time to go to the bathroom. So my body's getting this immediate response of, it's time to go to the bathroom. You gotta go take a shit. I also, I will say, I have a, a strong bowel movement. So I go like three, four times a day easily. It's, it's a constant thing for me, right? Uh, so it was morning, I had coffee, and I really, really wanted to, and I'm standing there. The casting desk is the only thing I'm thinking about. On top of that, my, the zipper was, uh, you know, it was grinding against my crotch and my physical reaction was not a good one. And it was starting to distract me in, in both ways, right, as a, as a man. Um, it was not like a, a sexual thing, mind you, it was just a physical reaction. It was very, very uncomfortable. So on the back end, I was thinking, I need to go to the bathroom. On the front end, I was thinking something else. And this is while I'm standing there while the draft is going on. So the cast happens, and I think it was my worst cast of the tournament. I thought I was a little bit distracted, and I felt really bad. Uh, and the whole time, because it wasn't like a bad cast, like I didn't have synergy with Jenkins. Just like my team fight, my hype was just bad. I was messing up my words. I was stumbling on certain things. I felt really bad about that cast. And I realized it was because I couldn't concentrate because I wanted to shit myself during the whole fucking cast, which I'm sure you Cap can relate to at some point uh, in your life, as yeah, I, I heard true. your story. Yeah, absolutely. And so it distracts you. So we get off that cast. I signed like a, a thousand autographs while I'm shitting myself, which was terrible, by the way. I literally told one guy, hey, I'm sorry. I got to go to the bathroom. I can't sign this. Goodbye. And the guy followed me almost to the bathroom, which was a very awkward moment. And so I go to the talent room. I'm done with my day. It was only one cast for the day. And Flapjack, who's a talent matcher for Spanish, he comes to me. He goes, Avo, we need you for the stage host interviews for the rest of the day. Because Blue has no voice. We need someone to do it. You're the only one that speaks English and Spanish. Like, you got to do it. And I go, Flapjack, I just did the worst cast of my life. I don't think I can do it. I think I'm going to do a terrible job. I'm not going to ruin your show like that. And he goes, we need you. Okay, if you get me underwear, I'll do it. <laughs> if you get me a fresh pair of underwear, I'll do it. Does he and immediately Flapjack, go, yes? Does, does, does he look no. at you confused? Does He walks away. That's what he does. <laughs> he walks away immediately. And I'm like, okay, all right. So I'm getting ready to go. Ten minutes later, he comes back, goes, one of the runners will bring you underwear, uh, sizes. I go, boxers, and uh, give him my size. He goes, okay, cool. Color? I don't care. Cool. Gets the runner to bring me underwear. And then in the most defeated look I've ever seen flapjack ever in my life, like me, uh, 30, 40 minutes later, he has a pair of boxers. He hands it to me, and he goes, you're doing my interviews now. I go, yeah, yeah I'll do interviews. You're doing my interviews now. yeah. Gives me the pair of boxers. I go to the bathroom. It's all soft. The most glorious feeling after being commander the whole day. Actually getting to wear underwear. I did the best interviews of my life on stage. 
The crowd was hype. I was feeling myself. No longer had to shit myself. It was incredible. I really, really knocked out of the park. That was my worst and best day. Mm-hmm. But it was all because of the underwear. And now, I, uh, I will never go commando again in a tournament. Now I know. That's, that's my takeaway from this tournament. That's my biggest takeaway, actually, from the Lima Major. Also, shit before you cast. That's another one. <laughs> so two things. Always bring extra underwear. I mean, I do the, I do that. If you ever see me bringing a backpack to an event, it's the underwear's in there. <laughs> yeah, see, uh, that's the biggest power move though I ever had is asking a runner to buy me underwear. I've never felt more powerful in my entire life. When he brought me that, I was like, I'm noticing this is what real tier one talent feels yeah. like, right? Another human spent an hour of their life getting you underwear. That was their job. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What what power? Oh, oh my god, that yeah, yeah. yeah. That was like a zipper moment all over again. It was great. It was a great moment. Great moment of power. <laughs> I don't. I can't believe you include the zipper part too. I thought you were just gonna leave it on the back end. No, nah, I gotta tell the whole story. Look, it's a physical reaction. It wasn't a sexual thing. It was just physical reaction. Men have this, all right. We've I mean, all you been. You certainly teenagers. wouldn't want to have that reaction when you're up on stage. Certainly on camera. Yeah, exactly. That would exactly. Be worse. Yes, yeah. that would be that would be bad. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you very much. It I would distract him. Yeah. Really enjoying this interview, isn't he? <laughs> oh, Jesus fucking Christ! No, no, no. There was nothing like that. Yeah, put, put you right next to the, like the fear interest. picture. You know, just have like fear, then <laughs> Avo, and. <laughs> now it was not noticeable on camera. We made we made sure of it. I asked Richie to raise the camera a little bit for that, just in case. <laughs> so I was I was very mindful of that whole idea. Yeah. Mm, good DP. Good DP. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my story. I, I, sorry I, I, about that cast. <laughs> anyone listen to that podcast? I'm very sorry about that cast. I don't know what it, which one it was, but I, I'm sorry. There was a couple of criticisms of that cast, and I think it was totally justified. I read all of you guys. I screamed too much. I jumbled my words. I'm very, very sorry. It's not an excuse, but it was just, it was just bad. It was just bad. That's it. I, I don't know how we top That's this. I, th- I, th- I think we just bring it home. <laughs> I think we just bring Honestly, it home. Honestly, yeah, just it always comes back to poop. It always end. comes back to poop in the end. It always does. And when we say poop, when we say poop, Jenkins' name is never more than 10 words behind, which is just bizarre. (laughs) Um. Yeah, he was the best co-caster for that moment. He was laughing way too much at that story. That was the best story he's ever heard in his lifetime. Yeah. God, um, well, shit, man. Thanks, thanks for hanging out with us and, and dishing on what happened. We generally have this thing called the uh, no Reddit rule, where we really don't like people to post things about the podcast online. But I have a bad feeling that people are going to probably no, you, talk you about can this. Post it. Wait, oh, we get, you're getting the no Reddit rule wrong. You can post it. Just post it with you know, like uh, Avo went on the podcast, and you know, it was really, really great insight into how the Lima Major went, or you know, like, or you can be a little bit spicier than that. Just don't say. Avo said X, you know, and then people yes. just read the headline. They don't listen to the podcast. And then you know, the entire conversation happens without any context. Mm-hmm. They would However, miss all I the poop story. Accept. Yeah. <laughs> I will accept Avo almost shit himself at the major. I think that's a yeah. fine headline. That's, that's an okay thing to say. That's the only, which would be paraphrasing the second time we have had that headline from one of our shows, which is probably too, too many. <laughs> Yeah, but in Cap's way, it's it's like a genuinely. It was a meaningful piece. I remember reading that article. It was good. It was uh, it was a moment of like uh, vulnerability. And mine is just a ge- degeneracy story. So I don't I don't want to put in the same category His as Cap. Absolutely, response to not wearing underwear is apparently he must shit yeah. himself. He trains his asshole like he trains his dog. Like okay, <laughs> that's another good headline. Yeah, all these are, are acceptable <laughs> within my my uh, universe. Yeah. You don't even want to know what it's like 
when Abo starts being down for sexy time. He takes off his underwear and he's just like, ah, oh, I gotta take a shit right now. No, because I'm laying. I don't have sex uh, standing up for a reason, right? As long as I'm laying, it's all good. It's the standing up that does it for me. Uh, I understand. Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Sorry. I'm so gonna stop the recording. <laughs> 